959 Breakfast on Kaya 959. And yesterday you will have seen proclamations that a state-owned bank is on its way. Mm. You know, when it's election season, some people will take things and repurpose them for the election. Uh, and you sometimes need to read deeper than the headlines to find out what's really going on. Yeah. We've got a good friend of the show, Zukas Tole, here with us to speak to us about this idea of a state-owned bank and whether it really is that. But before we even get into that discussion, you'll know that in 2023, September specifically, President Cyril Ramaphosa signed the Post-Bank Amendment Bill into law, right? Uh, now, if you know, there was already a post-bank uh, and then the South African Post Office went through very difficult times. Uh, and so now they're looking to convert that into a fully-fledged bank. Jobe, thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to the listeners. So when you speak about, for example, what these people are talking about, uh, the Post-Bank Amendment Act, which will then be active and come into law on the 19th of February, 2024, uh, what does this mean for South Africans? Is this really a state bank that we've long been promised? And if so, what difference is it going to make in the market? So the simple answer is that no. It is the confirmation of an administrative procedure that was started a couple of years ago to dis- to detach the post bank from the post office. Mm. And the thinking behind that was that, well, firstly, the post office has got problems of its own, the post bank had problems of its own, and them being stuck together was simply a very toxic alliance. The second problem was that if the government ever decided that the post bank needed to have its own full banking license it had to be separated from the post office because it cannot have the post office as its anchor shareholder given just how completely problematic the post office was so that particular process took about two years from the moment it was started until it was finalized it's taken more than 10 years from the moment the anc said it wanted it to be done in order for us to get here. So all it does is finalize the administrative process of separating the two institutions. If it is ever going to be a fully licensed state bank, then that is a process that can only be started after the 19th of February, where the now standalone post bank will then have to apply for a banking license with the South African Reserve Bank and then have to meet the remarkably steep requirements associated with the licensing conditions for a, for, for, for a bank. So that is where we are at this stage. At the same time, the Saab yesterday denied giving the Orania Spar and Credit, uh, so OSK Cooperative Bank, an award because they had said that they got awarded uh, for being the best cooperative bank in the country. Uh, and this was obviously distributed via to So the SAP has come out saying, no, actually, there was no such award given. This idea uh, of this bank or the other, we've heard of various cooperative uh, banks that are being formed uh, we know, for example, that one such bank, which drew some attention, I think about two years ago, uh, was also eventually awarded a, a license to operate, I think about a month ago now. Uh, and I'm not quite sure where they're going to move forward and still operate. But what is this obsession with various banks and people thinking we should probably start a bank of our own? 
what is what 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 where does it come from? And also, seeing as how all banks are regulated, isn't it true that one bank is exactly the same as the other? Well, the simple reality is that if all the banks are going to be licensed, it means that the conditions that they'll all be given are going to be exactly the same. So the appetite behind everyone to start their own bank seems to be some sense of frustration with the existing structure of the banking system, which is really a question of four banks plus two in the middle and then everyone else. So that's really how the market has been structured for a very long time. Now, obviously, because all of these banks are regulated in the same way and because the operations are largely transparent, because we all know what interest rates are at any point in time, it really means that they all tend to act in the same way. So if somebody feels that, look, if these banks in a way that I do not like, if they do not advance enough credit in the way that I think they should uh, do it, then they're not going to change their patterns. So maybe I should start something of my own that's going to do things differently. It's always a very wonderful idea to say, but once you then start operating an institution and then you have to comply with the same regulation and then you have to bear the same costs that everyone else does, even you as a new institution will eventually gravitate towards doing exactly what everyone else in the market does. So none of these new banks have really come out there and said, well, if the sense of frustration was from the fact that the lending practices are too stringent, for example, we're going to relax them in a way that completely transforms people's access to finance. That hasn't happened. And the reality here is that every single responsible bank will have some credit risk criteria. And that risk criteria will say that, look, if you got rejected by Standard Bank or APSA because they say that, look, your risk profile says we shouldn't lend you 10 million rand, it's very unlikely that a new bank without the same balance sheet as those established banks is going to reach a different conclusion and say, let's give this person 10 million because then suddenly it, the, the, the risk associated with them getting that lending decision wrong is even more acute for a new or a small bank compared to the banks with the big balance sheets. So it's always a very good rhetoric. It's always a very good story to tell. But the practical realities are that none of these banks are really going to change the way things are simply because until new rules emerge around Around how such decisions are made, we're going to end up with the same conclusion that just comes from a differently branded institution. And so maybe just to hammer the point home in literally two minutes or less, right? Uh, it's, I guess, the misconception that owners of banks get to dictate how banks operate. Because a bank doesn't operate with its own money. A bank actually operates with money that comes from depositors. So it's other people's money, Right. Uh, and yes. it's the same arguments that people make about how the Saab should get nationalized. Uh, the mm. shareholding in the Saab is of no significance at all. I could start a bank yeah. of my own, but just because I've started the bank doesn't mean I'm going to go to that bank and say, hey, you guys must now lend Saul money. You must lend Keta or Kaya money. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So fully... Um, capacitated banks wouldn't do that. And when I say fully capacitated banks, it's banks that have all the individuals that are required to be in position in order for a bank to operate. So you're talking about a risk officer in particular, which is a remarkably important position, a technology officer, given how these banks have to interact with the technological systems and all of those individuals. So all of those individuals are expected to be fit and proper. They're expected to illustrate their capacity to know how to run a bank institution and of course if those people then listen to your interference and then they end up with the wrong decision
decisions being made, well, they're going to be held accountable for having to explain how exactly they ended up taking the type of decisions that have proved to be detrimental to the bank's prospects and to the bank's fortunes. So shareholders do not generally walk into a branch and say, well, I own this bank, so therefore gave me this amount of money. There are sufficient checks and balances to ensure that you have to get the right balance between saying, I want to lend somebody money, but that money actually belongs to someone else. So I need to lend to someone who has a good prospect of paying it back because if the depositor who gave me that amount of money comes back tomorrow and wants his money, I cannot say, oh, well, sorry, I lent it to someone who now cannot pay, so you all lose out. That's not how it works. So unless you put in your own money and then you say lend to whoever you want, unfortunately, the system's rules are going to come back and say be responsible in your lending practices. And of course, the question of what the definition of responsible is, that's a philosophical question that we need to deliberate on as a country because clearly people without legacy access to capital are going to get a completely different answer to people whose access to capital is through generational inheritance or access to better jobs. So that is the crux of the problem, but adding more banks to deal with the same same issues without addressing the underlying issues of why some people have better access to capital and others don't, it doesn't get us anywhere until we tackle that. Thank you very much. And that's where we need to leave it. Good friend of the show's Kast Sole, CASA. Let us know what your thoughts are. Do you feel like if we were to get a state-owned bank, things would be different? Or would it be more the same? I honestly don't know who the head strategist is when it comes to government things in this country. But I just don't understand. Why is our government so keen on establishing something new instead of just fixing what's currently there? If the mandate of the post bank was to pay out beneficiary monies and they failed at that, what makes them think that they can venture into any other operation other than that? If this bank really does happen, I do hope that the slogan will be Ziokala because I that's what I see. And Valerie is okay. I mean, my view, I don't think a state-owned bank will survive. While the Sakula in the Nanjes, Ogmanjes, Nesfas, Imagine, Nesfas, Imagine, say we will say Petty Malizate, as a pension fund is a Seba Petty Malizate, a saver. Imagine, Labantu Abashula, who address into Yalokal, municipality, I Imali, Aman numbers, or which who may look at you, Malin, by an estimator. Banai capacity, Banaba. I don't know. I Mshambe 2085. So while I hear you and agree with you, I must also note that the PIC, which is the biggest purse on the continent, by the way, right, is managed in South Africa by the government, and so far they do a good job at that. So Gabo? I think history has proven that everything that is owned by the state or government is ends up in a disaster. So for me personally, I don't think it's going to work because you all know how it's going to end. We've seen this movie before. I mean, these guys can't even run the post office. Sasa, I mean, you saw what happened to the VPS saga. I mean, it, it's a disaster. So anything that involves the states, the state of South Africa ends up in a disaster. They can't they can run anything, these guys. So no, it's not going to work. We really do need a state bank. We really do need a state bank for two reasons. Right now, we have conspiracy theories saying that black people are being charged uh, more interest than their white counterparts. That's a problem. Secondly, we need a state bank because these white banks are, sp- are spending money on white ideas. White kids coming there with ideas for, for business. So we need a black bank that will also spoil money on black entrepreneurs. Yeah, but again, that's just really revolutionary rhetoric that gets spewed without any proof, right? I'm not saying what you're saying is not true, by the way. But what I'm saying is, 
Who's to say a black-owned bank would then spend money on black customers? But this Motepe now is Excess Bank. No, not Excess, sorry. Uh, Time Bank. Yeah. Excess is uh, the guys in Nigeria. He actually just passed away, by the way. R.I.P. Uh, but Patrice Motepe is Time Bank. Mashallah, Panyong again and see who they treat you differently because you're black. Ham. I'm reading about families like the J.P. Morgan or in the United States. We understand how important banks are into creating a society that is prosperous. Unfortunately, in our country right now, our biggest issue is that the divide between the wealthy and the poor is actually made by our own banks by choosing to actually fund uh, businesses that are of a certain race and by also choosing to give better interest to people of a certain race than giving it to everyone. Yeah, so J.P. Morgan, uh, Carnegie, uh, Rockefeller, these are men that built America, literally. They were captains of industries, and they took their money and they decided they were going to apply it back into the economy in certain ways. One was in steel, the other one was in oil, uh, and then J.P. Morgan decided to eventually get into banking. If you read up about them, it's always just one individual or two that build an economy. We like to welcome the state bank. No, Safa, my interest rates are not Safa, Upatala, I'm a bond. I do love Safa, I'm a carry payments. I do love a I guess born again. State is an Nine five nine breakfast. Monday to Friday, six to nine a.m. on Kaya nine five nine.